0: Hi Simon, how are you? Hi Sadashma, all good, just a little burnt out, went on vacation during wildfire season, came back right in time for flooding
1: season. Oh my gosh, we can never catch a break, can we?
0: Yeah, Sadashma, no. Recently, the climate space has also been pretty overwhelming with all the news around the boiling era and everything, how have you been coping?
1: Okay, this is going to be such a change in the mood, but I've been coping by listening to my husband, Zayn Malik. Um, love his new song, uh, but how have you been coping?
0: Talking about that, Burna boy dropped his new music too. I've been listening to that non-stop, but also been very active on TikTok,
1: you know. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Don't judge us, this is how we cope
0: with burnout. But on a more important note, to understand better and more professional ways to deal with burnout, we are bringing this episode with a mini-workshop on navigating burnout as a professional in the green sector.
1: As usual, so we totally forgot to welcome you all. I am Satashma.
0: I am Simone, and welcome to Anthropause.
1: So we want to start with quick introductions. Um, If we could just do name um, our profession, like and where we're based, that would be great. Um, I can quickly start. Um, my name's Satash Matapa. I'm based in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'm currently in academia. Um, I'll pass it on to Simone.
0: Hi, I'm Simone Raul. Um, I work in the ESG sustainability
1: consulting space, and I'm currently based in Canada. Hi everyone, Veronica
2: Ancono. I'm an environmental attorney and I'm based out of Vermont. Hi, I'm Delaney Barber. Um, I work in the nonprofit environmental policy sector and I'm based in Indianapolis.
3: Hi, everyone. My name is Julia and I'm also in academia, but also part time working for uh, the nonprofit sector, climate policy. And I'm based in Vancouver, BC, but right now, I am traveling in the Okanagan Valley, so my connection is really, really sloppy right now, and that's why I'll be keeping my camera off, but I apologize about that. (laughs)
1: That's totally all right. We really appreciate you joining us, even during your vacation. Um, All right, without any further ado, we would really appreciate it if Danny went ahead and gave her introduction.
4: Hi, hey everybody. My name is Danny Schaus. I am currently located in Southern Indiana. It's about an hour north of Kentucky, for those of you who might be familiar with the geography there. Um, and I run a small business called Dharma with Danny. So I'm in the private sector and I do a little bit of work in the nonprofit sector. I've been also in academia for a long time prior to this. Um, so I've had my hands in a couple different sectors. And I'm really excited this morning to talk to you all about burnout and talk about how I might be able to give you some strategies to help.
0: Yeah, thank you, Danny. But before we open the floor to questions from our friends, I have a question for you. What exactly is Dharma with Danny, and where did the inspiration come from?
4: Yeah, so my small business, Dharma with Danny, I started it about two years ago. I was going through a yoga teacher training program and kind of realized during that process that I was ready to make a change in my own career path. I was really excited to begin teaching yoga and to deepen my own study and practice. But I kind of realized through that process of becoming a yoga teacher and just really unpacking all of these things about my life that the strategies that had kept me Sane and showing up to my work in the sustainability and climate space were all kind of personal resilience types of tools, Um, whether that was breath work, whether that was meditation, exercise, stretching, journaling, all of these practices that I'd kind of learned and cultivated had kept me in the work. And I noticed that a lot of folks coming out of, I'll say, one of the first waves of the pandemic. Um, people were really feeling, I think, pretty burnt out for a lot of reasons and especially in the climate space. And I realized that in very passion-driven industries like that, we really struggle to take that time for ourselves and to care for ourselves, to put on our own you know, safety mask first, so to speak. And so I really wanted to help folks figure out how they can care for themselves and still show up for the work. Uh, because we don't need people burning out and leaving the field at this really critical point in the climate crisis. So I felt really inspired to do that, gradually built this business, and last December left my full-time job, and now I'm doing this.
1: That's awesome. I feel like Our next question would have been okay like define what personal resilience means to you because you do advertise Dharma with Danny as an initiative that works in the intersection of climate and personal resilience but I feel like we've kind of already done that so something that something that I do want to ask you is like you know in our conversations in the past few months or so um, you've told us um, especially like you know you've told me that yeah like you are you're like your hands in like different pockets right now like you're working different jobs and when one hears that like you think oh like that sounds really overwhelming and you would think that oh that would lead to burnout but then something that you have mentioned is that like ironically you've been working lesser you know so can you tell us a little bit more about that like how, how did that happen
4: yeah. So when I made the decision to step away from my career in academia and really start to build this business and find a new way forward in my own career path, I had decided that if I was going to move forward and continue climate work and sustainability work, that I had to put my own rest and my own sanity first. And I think at first I struggled with that to get to that point point because I think it feels selfish for a lot of folks. We feel like, we don't feel like we have permission to take the rest that we need, absolutely just deserve being humans in the world. And I decided to flip that on its head that, okay, I'm gonna prioritize my exercise first, my rest first, eating really good food, and just feeling like I have my cup full because a lot of what I'm doing in this business is holding space for other people. And if I am not holding my own space for myself, I can't hold that space for others effectively to work through whatever they're going through, to walk with them on this path to recovery. And so I made a really conscious decision that no matter how busy I was, I'm going to take a nap if I need it. I got my own boss now and I get to decide that and I get to structure my schedule in that way. And so because I'm a startup business, I've had to pick up some freelance contracts and some different part-time roles, but because they're all part-time and because I'm a contractor, I get to decide if I do all of those hours for that contract on one day, or if I spread it out over multiple days, or if I get up at seven o'clock in the morning and start working and then go to bed at 5pm, right? Just giving kind of hyperbolic examples here. But because I've decided to prioritize myself first, and then the work, everything's been so much easier since I made that conscious decision. And because I can make my decisions about how I structure my my work in my life.
0: Thank you for your answer. That's so inspiring. But now we will open the floor to our friends. If you have any questions, you can just go ahead and ask now.
3: I will just follow up with a quick question. And thank you so much, Danny, about everything that you said. It's I think it's so, so, so important to keep that in mind. And I guess my first follow-up question um, about what you just said is, what are your sort of practical suggestions to do so when you're not working sort of like for yourself, but you have, you might be navigating various jobs and you're navigating your deadlines in academia and you kind of feel like you sort of like, have to make it and make it happen and you have to um, sort of respect and achieve all of those objectives and all of those deadlines and deliver, you know, like this report here and then this objective there. Um, And how would you navigate that without uh, the risk of burning out and yeah, how how do you convince yourself that it is okay to take time for yourself? It is okay to not make it sometimes, and to actually talk to your boss or supervisor and say, "Hey, I I can't. Like this is too much." Or, you know, how what what would be your practical suggestions to navigate that if you can touch upon that a little bit?
4: I recognize that I'm in a very at this point privileged position to be able to do a lot of the work that I'm doing and to hold those boundaries. However, I think no matter what job you're in, no matter what industry you're in, no matter how many jobs you're working or not working, I think we can all set boundaries with ourselves. And I think that's where it has to start. And boundaries, and what I mean by that, I guess, is that you're going to be willing to give yourself that rest and recognize when you need to pull back from something. So whether that's On your weekly schedule or in your Google Calendar or however you organize your time, you block minimum four hours a week where it's leisure time, right? Where you're not responsible for doing any work. You're not responsible for doing any academic reading. You know, you can just mindlessly watch a movie or take a nap or go on a walk with a friend. I would say minimum a half day a week if you can do a full day without labor where you're producing something so you can refill your cup. I highly recommend it. I typically try to do what I call a Sunday Sabbath. Occasionally I have to flex that, right? We all have deadlines, but I try to really hold that space where I have, if not one full day, then at least a half day a week where I'm not doing any labor for any of my contracts. On a daily basis, I would say I'm really intentional too about taking my walk, about doing my meditation, you know, whether I have to do that right at the beginning of the day, right at the end of the day, I have to squeeze it in during my lunch break. Like I'm making sure that I'm still showing up for myself, even if, it means I have to meditate for three minutes while I'm like hiding in the bathroom somewhere.
3: <laughs> uh,
1: on the other side of, of the coin of that conversation, Danny, I actually wanted to ask you uh, to tell me how employers in the climate space can support their employees, uh, particularly for BIPOC communities, uh, just given the fact that many of us who who identify with that group uh, do work in this climate space. And oftentimes because of, let's say, different cultural pressures or different ways that we grew up, we we really take home these uh a, a, the work that we do in perhaps a way that's different from
4: from some of our other counterparts. Awesome. Yeah, man, that is a good question. I feel like I could take a whole hour just talking about that. Um I think one thing that I've been trying to suggest to employers, and I have not worked with a ton of employers yet on training for them, but that is definitely a goal of mine, if anyone has suggestions on how to break into that. Um, I would say one thing that I try to really encourage folks, if they're in a supervisor position or you know, they're in a higher leadership position at an organization, that I really Try to talk to them about what is a realistic workload. Because I think in this field in particular, because so many of us are either living this climate crisis on a daily basis or because we're so passionate about it, we're taking the work home with us mentally, right? Even if we're maybe not doing work all evening, every evening, we're at least thinking about it, we're reading news about it, we're worrying about it. And so I always try to suggest employers to like check in often enough, like do your employees feel like they have too much on their plates? And what does that mean for you as the employer? What's your responsibility? Can you spread that workout? Can you lengthen the deadline? Can you make some project a team project? And just offering different kinds of, I think, resources and support for folks. I've seen more and more, corporate entities recognize the need to have flexibility in schedules, whether that means you're working from home, you're hybrid, maybe you're trying a four day work week. I think it's on the employers to some extent to start to think about those things. And I don't know that everyone is caught up yet. I'm confident not every employer has kind of caught up to that. Um, But I think that supervisors in particular have that power at least with their team with their interns to say are you getting the resources you need do you have too much on your plate can you take a step back or can we look at how to better support you so that's where i'm at with it at this point uh, i think too i i feel like the conversation is changing but for now i think a lot of it is kind of a bottom-up approach where employees do kind of have to help shift that conversation. Unfortunately, I hope that that will change at some point, but some ways and some strategies I suggest to people is to like not respond to emails or set auto responders. So you are not having that burden in your brain or feeling that pressure to respond to emails during hours you're not working right and I know a lot of people push that line and that boundary but take an email off your phone if you're on vacation is a really big one I recommend to folks because it's not triggering that thought in your mind so I don't have a perfect answer for you on that but I'd say talking to supervisors if you're in a supervisory position leading in that way and making that space. And just to add to that, like
0: I really resonate with the taking home taking work home with you kind of thing. I work a lot around the green washing space as well. So every time I go to the grocery store and I see something being advertised, I'm like, oh my gosh, like should I even go, should I even buy this or not? Like sometimes I just want my brain to switch off and I don't want to think about things like this. Like I don't know how to do it, but I think it just really affects me and like every little thing I do how do I navigate around that? Like, how do I feel okay to be like, okay, it's okay to switch my brain off for a while and not think like that, you know?
4: Yeah, I'd say it takes practice. I think it takes a lot of self-compassion and self-acknowledgement. I even struggle with that space. I haven't been in full-time waste reduction spaces for years now, and I still go places that I'm like, man, their recycling bins are just not a good place, right? But then I kind of have to just like laugh at myself and have humor. And what has been a helpful strategy for me that I recommend to folks is like acknowledging that you're thinking this, kind of laughing at yourself and saying, I don't have to do that right now. I love, I'm really passionate about this and I'm not at work. I'm not being paid for this labor. I don't have to do this labor if I don't want to.
2: I I like these points. I mean, it it kind of fed into my question in this theme that we're talking about permission for a lot of things, because I feel as a woman or any person who doesn't see themselves represented in a lot of leadership roles or in the industry, this pressure to perform and to like climb this ladder and feel like you need to because you're able to and you should do it so that others and it creates space for others to join you and giving yourself permission to maybe not do those things or take a untraditional path or explore other opportunities that's something I really struggle with of giving myself permission of maybe I don't wanna be working 40 hours a week or maybe I wanna take a step back and explore some other areas of my life, um, even though I'm really passionate about climate change and we're experiencing the climate crisis all the time. Um, And there's just so much, there's so much pressure. Um, And off of that, as someone who wants to take up space potentially as a mother eventually, and we're currently in a system that doesn't support mothers, working mothers very well at all, and navigating that of, do you stay in this system that's causing you to be burnt out or do you leave? And how much can you expect that situation to get better? Yeah,
4: I know, Blaney. that's such a challenging situation. And I know you and I have talked about this for a while now. Um, I would say something that a dear friend and mentor of my own said to me, months, maybe years ago now, that has really stuck with me and really helped me flip the script in my own head. Who made the rule that you have to stay in a traditional climate job? Who made the rule that you can't have different jobs and different passions at different times? Who made the rule that raising conscious children is not a climate solution? Who made that rule? Who is going to give you permission? You give yourself permission. And I think that's the hardest because we're getting so many messages from social media, the news, the people around us. At the end of the day, we get to decide. We get to live our own life. As hard as that is, the more you can claim your own power, the more opportunities that I've seen and I know that others see once you start to claim your own power and give your own self permission. It's not always the easiest path, but I do find it's very rewarding fulfilling and I feel less burnt out than I did a couple years ago I will say I very much feel less burnt out because I took the chance and took that permission and decided I was going to take a non-traditional path and maybe I'll take a traditional path again at some point in my career but right now I think it we don't always know what the right answer is for other people but the more we can live our own authentic path, the more I think that ripples out to the folks around us. And the more that we can bring more folks into the climate conversation, because I think the six of us on this call, probably not gonna be the six people who just solve the climate crisis, right? We probably need six more people times a thousand (laughs) to really solve this thing. And wouldn't it be beautiful if everybody was climate conscious and doing their part, and wow, wouldn't that be a lot easier?
1: Thank you so much, Danny. Um, very beautifully put, especially the part where you said, like, who made the decision that you know, like, raising climate-conscious children, you know, isn't a part of the solution? That's like really beautifully put. But um, you know, like, some a quick takeaway from all this is that everybody's like climate anxiety, climate burnout manifests in different ways. Everybody comes from like different walks of life, but like. Our struggles are different, but our commonality is that we are all experiencing burnout. So, on that note, I know that Danny's prepared something for us. Um, so, Danny, this is all you.
4: <laughs> okay. Right, friends, are you seeing a Google slide that says "Tackling Burnout"? Love it. Okay. Well, I don't want to spend. All of these next few minutes we have together talking at you, but I do want to share some background info on burnout, some strategies that you can consider employing, and then I've prepared actually some journaling prompts for us if you're interested. So, just some disclaimers to kick us off here. I want to recognize and name the fact that I am a cisgender white woman living in the Western world. I do currently practice, study, and teach from that perspective, and many of the practices discussed in this presentation, particularly yoga, were cultivated and developed by BIPOC communities. So I'm going to do my best to honor those roots today, but I have to recognize the limitations of my lived experience. And I want to just also name that this presentation is not an exhaustive overview of all the things you could possibly want to know about burnout or mindfulness, but... I think you're gonna get enough info to feel equipped to move forward. I also wanna name that even talking about mental health and burnout can be really hard. So if you need to turn your camera off or step away for a minute to take care of yourself, please feel free and empowered to do that. And then also I wanted to name that I'm not a therapist or a licensed mental health counselor, And that if you need some mental health resources, I can help connect you to those resources. But I myself am not trained as a therapist. Okay. And then I just wanted to quickly do a land acknowledgement. I want to acknowledge and honor the Miami, Kickapoo, Osage, and Shawnee people on whose ancestral homelands and resources my home is built. I'm grateful to these Indigenous folks for stewarding this land historically and into the present. Okay. And then I want to start with one of my favorite quotes from a really beautiful book that I highly recommend everyone read. It's called Rest is Resistance by Tricia Hersey. And she says, when you're exhausted, you lack clarity and the ability to see deeply. Your intuition and your imagination are filled by a culture of overworking and disconnection. You must be open to go deep into the cracks to examine and to understand. Exhaustion will not save us, and it will only lead us further into the clutches of grind culture. Rest is shape-shifting, and it wants to hold our hands as we usher in a well-rested world. It's about more than naps, and it's a full-on pushback and political statement against the systems that want to see us constantly moving, doing, and going in a frenzy. So what can you expect from these next few minutes? I want to talk about and give you some definitions for burnout. I want to talk about some easy strategies you can start to use or explore to build up your personal resilience to stress. I want to quickly talk about the physiology behind stress and why it happens and why it's natural. And then we're going to work through some different mindfulness practices throughout. I'm hoping we're going to have time for that meditation, but if not, I'm happy to send you some resources on meditation. Any questions before I get nerdy on you about burnout? Okay, great. Well, great. Well, I told you a little bit about me, but just some more quick background so you kind of understand my where I'm coming from. Um, I am a two-time alum of the Indiana University O'Neill School of Public and Environmental Affairs. got my bachelor's degree about 10 years ago, and I got my master's degree about five years ago. And I'm also a 200-hour registered yoga teacher through the International Yoga Alliance. And my mission or my dharma in life is to empower people and the planet working at that intersection of personal resilience and climate resilience, because I do not see them as separate, I see them as completely interlinked. Let's get into it, right? So a couple of different definitions that I think are really interesting, but I'll start with the first. Burnout is physical, emotional, and or mental exhaustion. It can be accompanied by decreased motivation, a lowered performance, and negative attitudes towards yourself and towards others. So I think that's typically the definition we see nowadays. But I've been doing some additional reading and some additional study of burnout and I saw this other definition recently that kind of blew my mind that most people or some people think of it as just simply chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. And that it refers specifically to phenomena in an occupational context. And should not be applied to describe experiences in other areas of life. And I'm telling you this and I'm showing you this because I think it's fascinating that there's even a discussion that it may or may not impact more than just your work life. I'm of a very strong opinion that it is something that may start at work, but it's gonna impact your entire life. If you're burnout, it's going to impact how you feel outside of work. So I think it's fascinating that there are still definitions that try to argue that it can be siloed because I do not think burnout can be siloed from my own personal experience and those of my clients and friends. So just wanted to share that there's always drama in all of these things, and there's always disagreement. So the three core components of burnout, according to Dr. Maslach, who developed the multidimensional theory of burnout, is emotional exhaustion is the first one. Depersonalization is the second. And reduced personal accomplishment is the third. So a feeling of energy depletion or exhaustion being overextended or depleted of your emotional resources. We'll get more into what that might look like or how that might manifest in your life. But just typically, you're feeling like you don't have space for things, right? You're just completely out of resources emotionally. That depersonalization, this is an interesting one as well. You might feel mentally closed off from your job. You might feel negative about your job or cynical about the work that you're doing. Just a sense of a loss of idealism or feeling just extremely detached from the intention or the purpose of your work. And finally, that sense of a reduced feeling of personal accomplishment. So you might not feel competent or good at your job. You might not be as productive. You might just be struggling to really show up as fully in your work as you'd like. So emotional exhaustion might look like you're just simply worn out. You have no energy at the end of the day for the other things in your life. You might feel completely depleted. You might be even just almost debilitated or overwhelmed by your feelings, and you might be feeling fatigued. This depersonalization, this is, again, that negative attitude towards your work, even towards clients that you work with, or could even be an inappropriate attitude towards a client. So maybe you're like, oh, they're so stupid, or they don't understand. Why are we doing this, right? And maybe you're projecting some of your frustration towards your work onto this person. Again, it's that sense of loss of idealism. And even it might just be irritability, right? You get an email from Susan and oh my gosh, Susan, she always forgets the third step in the process. And then finally, this reduced personal accomplishment. So again, it's reduced productivity or you may not feel capable of taking on as much work or projects that you would like to. You might feel low morale. Maybe you're not feeling very confident about your work. You might withdraw from special events or elective projects at your job. Or you may just feel this inability to even cope with the day-to-day stress and the day-to-day workload. And I would actually add in here that I think imposter syndrome could fall under this category as well, right? Like feeling like you're not good enough or feeling like you're not doing enough. Well, some symptoms just generally, right? We've already talked about fatigue. You might feel that apathy or dissatisfaction with your work and or your life. And I also hear a lot of folks talk about headaches, right? I think particularly in this age where a lot of our work is on screens, whether that's cell phones or laptops or iPads, These are not even my prescription glasses. I wear blue light blocking glasses because I was getting nasty headaches, especially during 2020. Um, So that's one way that burnout can start to show up. And then changes to your normal diet or sleep patterns, to your normal diet or sleep patterns. So this is not me giving you health advice and saying you have to eat X, Y, and Z every day, but if you suddenly find you're eating a lot more or a lot less food, Maybe you're craving certain things that you don't normally eat, Um, even if you're sleeping a lot more or a lot less, right? It's changes to your normal, whatever your normal is. And I want to talk about now, there's different stages to burnout that have been identified. So take this, for instance, as you're in a new job or a new relationship, right? There's often what we call the honeymoon phase, where you're so excited, you landed your dream job, you met like the cutest person ever, and you just adore them. Everything they do is great. All your projects are wonderful. Your colleagues are just the smartest dang people you've ever met. It's that honeymoon phase. Everything's great. Everything's new. Everything's shiny and exciting. Well, eventually, you're going to move on to what's called the stress phase, right? Maybe a project is not going as smoothly as you like, and you start to get a little bit worried about it you're feeling that pressure to hit that deadline. Or maybe your your new boo forgot to text you back or went out for drinks and you didn't hear from them. And you're like, well, what the hell? They said they're going to text me, right? It's that initial stress phase where you start to maybe see some cracks in the foundation or start to see that the situation is not perfect and shiny. Well, over time, If those stressors are not going away or you're adding additional ones, you're going to get into what's called the chronic stress phase where all your projects feel like a lot. Or maybe you have too many projects or maybe this relationship is on and off again, back and forth, just feeling like there's not a level of stability with it. The chronic stress phase, that's usually where people start to see, well, things are going to get better. They're either going to rationalize it's going to get better or they see that they might need to step back from the situation or find a new situation to be in. But if you don't make that change and don't make that step happen, you might end up in the burnout phase, right? Where you start to feel that fatigue, that exhaustion, that loss of idealism. And I think a lot of people get to this chronic stress or burnout phase and they they can work them way, way back out of that. They can start to manage their stress in different ways and make those changes. But I often, a lot of times, especially in this field, see that folks get almost addicted mentally or used to that burnout feeling, and then they'll push themselves into the habitual burnout phase where this is just the way that it is. If you're passionate about this, you just have to work 60 hours a week, and there's just no other way to do this, right? That you just don't see another path forward because your brain has been so trained and stuck in this neuro pathway for so long, you don't see a way out. So there are just some quick ways I want to offer, offer to everyone about managing burnout. First of all, if you are really struggling and if you have the means, I always recommend seeking some professional help, whether that's a therapist, a counselor, a life coach, whatever that looks like for you. Go get some help if you really are struggling and just cannot seem to find a way out. Some other things I recommend are regular exercise. Exercise is a way to get that cortisol and those stress hormones out of your body. I'm not going to prescribe to you any specific type of exercise, but whatever that looks like for you, whether that's walking, running, biking, yoga. Obviously, I love yoga, right? But maybe you are like a tightrope professional who just has to get their tightrope, tightrope walking in four times a week. Whatever exercise looks for you, make sure you're getting it in, especially if you're feeling stressed out. And if you have a means, again, take a vacation or a long break. I know taking a vacation for a lot of folks is a very difficult thing to pull off. So a long break might be maybe you use your vacation days and have a staycation where you do no work and you do a little self-love, self-pampering like weekend, right? There are ways we can work in rest no matter what our means are, on a regular basis. And of course, rest and sleep, making sure we're getting naps, enough sleep, whatever that looks like for us. I think this is very, very important. This really is gonna help you reset. Mindfulness activities, again, a healthy diet, and some other harder but important things, if you're especially in that chronic stress, burnout, or habitual burnout phase, So, you need to start to identify your stressors and triggers, what is making you feel stressed, what are the things that are causing you to be feeling that sense of fight or flight, and then start to set those boundaries and come back into a work life balance for yourself, whatever that looks like, right? Whether that means you can work 50 hours a week and feel balanced, or whether you work 20 hours a week and feel balanced. I want to get into, though, what I. I'm really passionate about, which is nervous system and nervous system regulation, particularly through mindfulness tools. So on the next couple of slides, I am gonna just talk quickly about the physiology of stress and what's called fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And I'll tell you all about this window of tolerance and discharging stress and all these like crazy fancy words about stress and our nervous systems. I'll explain all this in a minute. Uh, But I want to emphasize the fact that if we are not managing our stress and helping support or regulate our nervous systems, that our issues will live in our tissues, that that stress, if we're not getting rid of that stress and managing it regularly, it leads to this sense of chronic stress, tighter muscles. It can lead sometimes to other health issues. And if we're not dealing with this stress, eventually it's going to catch up with us. And I really feel that managing our burnout through mindfulness and yoga can help people experience that sense of safety in their own bodies. And the climate crisis is inherently traumatic, whether you've lived through an acute traumatic situation with flooding or wildfires, or this chronic trauma of just the uncertainty of not knowing how things are going to go, right? We are living through an inherently traumatic time in the world. And so these tools, I think, can really help you feel safe, at least in your own body, and your own life, if not on a daily basis, then on a regular basis. And then we've all lived through the pandemic. We have all gone through this chronic uncertainty from the climate crisis now, the pandemic, elections around the world. There's been a lot of hard, traumatic things that have happened, and a lot of people feel really, really stressed and uncertain. And I really hope that these tools can help you start to care for yourself, experience that sense of safety, and come into more balance in your own life so you can keep showing up no matter what is happening in the world, as hard as it gets. How can you love and care for yourself and then the people around you, whether it's at work or at home? Okay, so quick things about fight or flight. So this is a very normal nervous system response. Our fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response is something that we've always had as humans, and even other animals have this. So think of it as when we were hunter-gatherers in the world, right? If a lion starts chasing you, you need to be able to run away. So our nervous systems developed in such a way that when we perceived danger, we could recognize it and get out of there. However, The modern stressors in our world, probably not being chased by lions on a regular basis, but our brains and our nervous systems still perceive certain things as stress, but we are maybe not getting rid of that stress as quickly or in the same ways. So you may have noticed when say your animal or an animal in the world, goes through like a stressful situation or like, I'll give an example of a dog, right? A dog sees a bunny it gets really excited, starts to chase the bunny, right? Or it gets chased by another dog. And then after it's done that, after it's ran and chased this thing and either caught it or didn't, you notice your dog might shake, right? It's like shaking, it's getting all this energy out of its system. What it's doing is discharging that stress in a very literal physical way. But when we get a stressful email, you're probably not sending the email and then being like, oh, right. Maybe you should, and maybe you feel better, right. To get that stress out of your system. But we're not necessarily doing that. And over time that impacts what is called our window of tolerance. So I'm going to grab a rubber band here to show you all, but you can think of your window of tolerance as a rubber band. So hopefully you can see this. I've got just a rubber band here. So, I'm not stretching this rubber band right now, but you can see if you start to get aroused into stress, whether you feel panic and overwhelm, you're gonna start to stretch that window of tolerance. So, you see, this rubber band is stretching, it's getting tighter. But normally, if you discharge that stress, it's gonna go back to normal, smooth sailing, everything's fine, you're calm. And then, other times, if you get overwhelmed, Right You might start to shut down, withdraw, feel totally just numb or disassociated with the situation. Totally fine, right? That's normal as well. But again, if you're getting stuck in one of those or other states of nervous system, stress or response, this window of tolerance is either going to snap or it's going to become tighter and tighter and tighter if you're not managing your stress. So all you need to know is that, we can work with our window of tolerance and really manually increase it. So we can deal with normal everyday stressors more easily. So we have more capacity to show up and care for ourselves. Some other nerdy things about the nervous system that I just kind of generally want you to be aware of to know that you're not crazy. There's nothing wrong with you. And this is a normal, natural nervous system response. When we talk about fight or flight, freeze or fawn, we're talking about our sympathetic nervous system. So this is again, the normal response we have to stressors. Our pupils dilate, our heart starts to beat faster. We might not digest our food as fast. We're secreting adrenaline and other stress hormones to activate our body to respond to the situation. On the other side of things is our parasympathetic nervous system or what you might hear as rest and digest or feed and breathe. And if this is when you're not in an activated nervous system response, you're like, oh, I feel hungry. I, you know, feel kind of aroused maybe. You feel just sort of normal. Like you could go and watch a movie, you could go and answer an email, but you're able to kind of think more clearly and just show up to your day. I wanna get folks more to this parasympathetic nervous system response that's where i would love to see more folks because we make better decisions calmer decisions and we just feel better when we're in that state and there are some ways we can do that and train our brains to be in that space more often so some quick other things i want to share about the nervous system and ways that in our everyday world now chronic stress shows up so some fight flight freeze respond responses that we see in our modern world You can see here on this chart, we might feel angry, controlling. You might know someone in your life who just explodes out of nowhere because they're just so stressed out, right, that they just cannot seem to calm themselves down. I oftentimes find myself in the flight category here. I'm a workaholic oftentimes. I'm overthinking. I deal with anxiety. And I can oftentimes be a perfectionist with myself and nothing is ever good enough. I think a lot of folks in this field find themselves in that category or even in this fawn category, right? Where we are trying to make everyone else happy. We have no boundaries with our work. We feel overwhelmed. We might even feel a lack of identity if we're not identifying with the work that we do in the world. Just showing you these things so you can be aware of them There's nothing wrong with you. It's just simply the fact that this is how stress shows up. This is how this shows up in the modern world. So you can be aware of your patterns, start to identify them, start to work with them. And I have given these slides to Satoshma and Simone. So if anyone is interested in them, we can make sure you get access. This is a lot of info. Okay. So I just threw a lot of stuff at you. But all I really need you to take away from this is that we have two main kind of nervous system responses. So our parasympathetic nervous system is like, I everything's mean, fine, I can deal with the stress and the shit coming at me. Or the sympathetic nervous system is like, oh my God, everything's on fire and I'm either going to shut down and just ignore everything or I'm going to be running around in a panic and feeling really anxious.
1: This is the end of part one of our episode with Danny Schaust. Make sure you tune in to part two Danny walks us through some exercises that will be very helpful to navigate burnout.